being on the road put my family and I in proximity with people of different ethnicities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different faith backgrounds, and different worldviews as a whole. And one of the things I'm passionate about is hearing the stories of other people, especially those who have different life experiences, as well as differing opinions on a variety of subjects. The Wonder Podcast is really wanting to push into this. Can we listen to the experiences of others, even if we disagree on something? On several things. So as you continue listening to the stories we share in the weeks and months ahead, our hope is that we can all come to better understand the hurt others have experienced as we work to extend compassion to others. You're listening to The Wonder Podcast, brought to you by Be The Change Youth Initiative where we believe everyone should be seen, heard, and loved. We're committed to educating, equipping, and empowering youth to use their lives in advocacy for others. The Wonder Podcast was created to be a space where we truly see and hear one another. Because when we listen to people's stories, empathy is cultivated. So we'd like to invite you along with us as we listen and learn from others. This is The Wonder Podcast. When I was 15, I had the amazing opportunity to travel to Rwanda with an incredible group of women who were all of my mom's friends. Our next guest was part of that group. Alicia Rose is one of the coolest people. She's a mom of six, soon to be eight. She's a fair trade advocate and has scaled Mount Kilimanjaro, but she also has one of the kindest and most humble of spirits. I'm excited for you all to hear her story, her family story, and I hope it inspires all of us to see the places we can create change in our own spheres of influence. Thank you so much for coming on, Alicia. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And uh, like you said, I I know your mom, and we met through Noonday Collection, and we traveled to Uganda first. Um, And then that next year is when I was able to then travel to Rwanda with you and your mom and some other ladies so really got to know you a lot better on that trip Mm -hmm. um and then also when you were all your family was traveling the country it was an honor for you to come and actually you know be able to spend some time with my family here so that was a lot of fun too yes I loved it I ask a few icebreaker questions so people can know a couple random facts about you first one would be what mountain are you climbing next (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> well, oh goodness. Um, Kilimanjaro was, uh, that was a big one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that actually um, was uh, a team of women that we were raising money for African New Life, which is mm-hmm. why we went to Rwanda. Yeah. Um, but it did actually um, start a hiking bug in myself and my husband. So while I'm not sure exactly which um big mountain I want to do, I want to climb next. We have started um, hiking all the the state's high points. So, which has been really fun. We've enjoyed the high point club and we get a a, like quarterly magazine. We feel pretty nerdy about that, but, (laughs) but it's pretty exciting. So we've, this year we've done like seven, I think, where none of them, you know, very big, like Mississippi, you drive up to it, you know, it's not in, (laughs) there's no hiking involved, but some of them like Alaska and Denali, I don't know if that one will ever, if we'll ever be able to tackle that one, but some of the others, we're definitely looking forward to doing that. 
That's awesome. And you'll have to let me know whenever you do it next because I was just so impressed that you guys are willing to do Mount Kilimanjaro. That's insane. Oh, you could totally do it. And they're African New Life. They take their their trip, their their teams up there, you know, every year. Of course, this last year because of COVID, they couldn't. But um, yeah, so every year That's you could always awesome. join the next team. Hey, honestly, I would love that. That's definitely something to keep in mind for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're up for a challenge and honestly, it's just, I mean, the group of women that we went with, I mean, you really get to know people really quickly when you're on the mountain like that. So, and we've just built these amazing friendships and like a sisterhood, you know, through that. That's so good. Um, the second question would be of all the places that you've traveled, which place is your favorite? Okay. Um, Oh goodness, let's see. So I love anytime I get to travel anywhere in East Africa. So of course, Rwanda, Uganda. Um, I was in Tanzania for Kilimanjaro, but I feel like um, Uganda probably has a really special place in my heart just because it was the very first place that I traveled to in Africa. Um, just some amazing friendships and things came out of that. Um, just also the country is just beautiful people are so kind and amazing um yes yeah, so definitely and then we my husband and i we were able to take our three oldest children in 2019 back to rwanda and uganda so i was able to share with them you know what i had experienced there and it was just like a life-changing experience for all of us to be able to travel there and experience that together it was so amazing that's awesome so for those of you who might be listening I might be confused with this next question. This is a reference to Noonday Collection, which is a fair trade business. Arm party or statement earrings? Oh, okay. Definitely statement earrings. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, definitely. Not so much now with a mask. Um, that makes it a little bit harder. But I, I do love, I do love a good statement earring. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, me too. Definitely. I am all for statement earrings. I hardly wear uh -huh. any bracelets, but I will go earrings all the way. Same, same. Yes. I have my watch and that's really about it. And then yeah, yeah earrings all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, once again, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for people to hear your story. One of the things that I adore about you is the size of your heart, specifically your capacity to love others um, is inspiring and your family story is remarkable. I'd like for us to start the conversation um, around you and your husband's decision to become foster parents. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So we have four biological children. And when our youngest was probably two, I guess, we um, started our foster care training. We, um, we had some friends uh, who had become foster parents. And we were always in the past kind of in, in the mindset of Oh my gosh, could never do that. That would be so hard, you know, if if the child if they had to leave and go back home, you know, and we're like, you know, just feeling of course how heartbroken we would be. But as time went on and we saw our friends as they brought these children into their home and they loved them and they cared for them and then they said goodbye to them or or they were they the kids stayed. I mean, it was just a, such a beautiful um example of Christ's love. And we, um, we also had um, just in our church had a, a focus on Acts 1-8 
Um, I wrote it down because I knew I wouldn't remember the whole thing, but it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we had always kind of focused on that as, you know, how can we um, show the love of Jesus to people everywhere? So, you know, to the ends of the earth. So that may be, you know, over in uh, Rwanda where we have our sponsored children and um, but then also locally, like just in our own backyard, you know, the kids here in our community, how can we, what can we do to, um, to love on them? And so that's kind of where we, where we landed on foster care. And as time went on, God really opened our eyes to, to see that it's not at all about us. It's about the children and whether we have them in our home for a week, a month, a year, that time is, um, it's very influential in all of our lives. And the amount of time we have with a child, uh, we, you know, we don't know, we don't know how long that's going to be, but we know that we need to um, just pour into them and love them and provide them a safe and consistent um, loving environment. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where we decided that, you know, that foster care was, was for us something that we wanted to try. We went into it um, telling our caseworker we would do traditional foster care, respite, you know, anything that they needed us to do, we were open for that. So that's really kind of how that all started. That's awesome. Um, I mean, you fostered two kids and then ended up adopting them. So now you have six. So yeah. why would you want to adopt two more? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> so our, our story is so funny, really, because, um, and not typical at all. And we feel that that's just kind of how God has just kind of worked in our lives. But um, when, so we had our foster care license for six months without a single placement of a child in our home, which is really unusual. Um. We did have an age range that we were most comfortable with, which at the time was zero to three. So, um, and our agency just wasn't seeing a lot of children come through around that age, which is, that was great. But um, we were like, we're ready. I mean, seriously, what's taking so long? But then it was like, like I said, six months later, we got a call for our two boys. Um, and it was, uh, a very unusual situation. Um, they needed to be placed that night. And so we, my husband and I were at lunch and um, we got the call and like immediately we're like, oh, wow, I just lost my appetite <laughs> because it's such a big, you know, big decision. And of course we were like, okay, yes, yes, absolutely. And they brought them that night. Um, what we found out later was that um, they, were already um, in a position where they could be adopted. Their parent rights had been terminated. Um, and so by December of that year, we had our court date and they became roses. So it was just, you know, so crazy and just how it worked out and everything's very, very unusual. But we feel like we, those six months that we 
didn't have anyone, you know, I feel like God's kind of preparing us for our boys. And honestly, looking back at the time, time frame and, and just the timing of it all, perfect. Like, couldn't have happened at a, you know, more perfect time. And just, yeah, it worked out just great. So, so that's kind of how I, you know, we ended up with adopting our two boys, but, um, and I'll, let's see, I'll tell you, it was, I mean, we spent, I did anyway, the first month, at least probably like every night crying (laughs) because I was just like completely overwhelmed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what have we done? This is so hard. I would cry about that. Or I would see my, my older kids, my, um, like fixing a bottle or like playing with them. And, and then I would cry because I was just overwhelmed with how, you know, loving and compassionate they were being. And it was like an emotional roller coaster. And, and so it, but we did finally settle into a routine and it became, it became like normal, I guess, as normal as it could be. And then, um, we felt like we were good. We were good. We were a big family of eight and we were good. And then it was just in 2020 when God started to kind of, um, uh, just kind of little whispers here and there is kind of how I felt that, you know, that he was, you know, wanting us to look into adoption again. And I mentioned it to Andy and he was like, are you sure about this? And <laughs> so we, we did, we spent a lot of time praying about it and we, we took time apart where we would pray separately. And then we were going to come back together and see, you know, what did God tell you through this? And what did God tell you through this? And and ultimately, all the reasons that we were thinking no were very selfish reasons that we that we felt, you know, and um, and then we we did, you know, ultimately come to that decision. We're like, okay, I think you know this is what you know God is has laid before us, and this is uh, the direction that that we're going to go. And um, it's scary for sure, but let me say first off that we are uh, definitely in favor of adoption when it is necessary, when it is a last resort. Um, We are all for family preservation and reunification um, and definitely would love to see that with kids. Um, You know, kids, they belong in families, they belong in their biological families if possible. Um, But when that isn't possible, we, um, we, we, we believe in adoption and, um, and feel like God has really given us a deep burden for children who come from hard places. Um, and we, you know, we don't want to see children growing up in institutions when, you know, they could grow up in a family. So, um, you know, we really try hard to, um, we don't want to come across as having like a savior complex and, um, you know, being, you know, just like swooping in, save the day, take the children, you know, not at all like that. We, we feel, I mean, we've had people tell us like, oh my gosh, what you're doing is so amazing. And we're like, no, no, it's not, you know, this is, this is not, um, us. Like we're just doing, you know, what we feel we have been called to do. And, um, and it's hard and, and beautiful, but we are actually the ones who have gained so much, you know, with our boys. I mean, they have just shown us and taught us so much. 
in the four years that they've been with us. And so I feel like it is, while it seems like maybe we are helping them in certain ways, which, you know, we are, but they have done so much more for us. And it's just been heartbreaking and beautiful and just all together wrapped in one. It's just an amazing adventure. I love that because I feel like a lot of people, like you said, they'll either come up to you and they'll be like, what you're doing is so great. And you're like, actually, no, it's really difficult and it's not easy. And you don't want to like come across as having a savior complex, which you guys don't. And like, I think like all of these are so important and I didn't even bring up in the questions, but like that are just good points that you made. And I think Uh when people get to know your family and get to like know specifically you and your husband, like you can just tell that you're wanting to do it for all the right reasons. And you genuinely want to love on these kids. And I think that's like so beautiful and a lot of people need to see more. Um, But yeah, I'm really inspired by you guys. Mm, Thank you. So your kids are all watching all of this. (laughs) I can only imagine that the level of sacrifice this calls from you guys um both as a family and as individuals what are you hoping for your kids to take away from all of this specifically how do you think um this experience is shaping them and their sense of purpose as it pertains to family so yes our house is loud (laughs) so i know that my older kids, especially who I have, you know, two teenagers and then 11 year olds. So we have 15, 13, 11, seven, seven, and four right now. And especially my older teenagers, you know, they like to have their alone time mm-hmm. and they like to, you know, just have some quiet time. And there's not a lot of that in our, in our house. So um, I was actually talking with my kids just last night, you know, about their just, you know, at dinner, we usually do our highs and lows and talk about things like that. And then our dinner conversation continued on after dinner. And we were just talking about, um, about this journey that we've been on and, um, and their thoughts on it. And they all agreed that yes, sometimes our house is too loud. Um, but that they would never, change it. They would, they wouldn't ever, you know, change how our family, how we are and who we are. Um, they are, I mean, my, the kids, they have their sibling rivalries. They have their arguments. They are picking at each other. And I mean, we're, you know, playing referee several times a day. So they don't always like each other. <laughs> that goes biological children, adoption, all together. Like <laughs> there's always a time when somebody is mad at somebody. Mm-hmm. But um, my uh, our biological children, um, I think, I think honestly, probably initially going into this as foster parents, we were, um, I would say, we were pretty naive in what we were expecting, I guess. Um, We, you know, went through our classes, we talked about everything, you know, we prepared our kids, you know, as best we, as best as we could. And, um, and, you know, and so far it has been fine, you know, and we've definitely had some adjustments, things that we've had to work through. And I think what we maybe missed initially was, um, really not knowing uh, enough about trauma 
and how that can affect a child. Um, I mean, there's prenatal trauma, whether, um, you know, a mother can just have a stressful pregnancy and then that trauma can rewire the brain. So um, I think we weren't prepared to um, very well for just some of the things that might happen. And our kids have, our, you know, older kids are like, whoa, <laughs> like, what, what is this? But it's been a learning process for all of us. And now we are all, you know, making changes and making adjustments and being more understanding, being more compassionate with everybody. Um, and, you know, it takes a lot of help from everybody having a big family, you know, they, everybody has to pitch in. But what I've seen um, a lot with our kids is that they, they really, really want to help people. Um, they will see someone on the side of the street, you know, and want to give them money or food. Um, they want to volunteer with our local foster care um, support group. And like my two teenagers, we did a, a Christmas party, you know, for foster care and for foster families. And, um, and even my 13 year old son, you know, dressed up like an elf and he was okay with it. <laughs> well, he was maybe just a little okay with it, <laughs> but you know, it's just things like that, that, um, they are, they're compassionate. Um, my oldest is very, uh, justice minded. Mm -hmm. She really, you know, feels very passionate about certain things, certain topics. And so she's, um, very vocal about things that she's passionate about. And so that makes me really proud of her and that she's not afraid to fight for something that she believes in. Mm -hmm. um, my husband and I, we've mentioned, you know, or we've talked to each other and to like our family members and stuff that like we, um, we decided a long time ago, we were like, we are not comfortable being comfortable in this world. We do not want to live inside a bubble and not see what's going on around us. And so we've tried really hard to not shield our children from the ugliness of this world and the brokenness of this world. They see it. We talk about it. I think because of that, they, um, they don't wear blinders. They are able to see everything going on around them and they can feel um, empathy mm -hmm. and they see, well, that's not right. You know, how can we, wh what can we do? Um, they see people hurting and they're like, how can we help? So I think this, our journey, while, you know, that maybe wasn't necessarily like what we had planned for our, all of our children, but that's just what has kind of grown from it is just these amazing attributes that we see just, you know, from our kids every day. And, and I would love to take credit for it all. <laughs> I can't do that, <laughs> but, um, it is, yeah, they're just, I feel like they, um, they are little world changers and they, they don't even realize it. And it's just it's so awesome to see them growing and changing in those ways. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things that you said that, I mean, we could even touch on, but I mean, I guess <laughs> the first two things that came to mind were 
like this life isn't about ourselves and how we do need to be living selflessly. And I think the second is like you guys, you and your husband setting an example for your kids and how your kids have kind of watched you live selflessly. I mean, it's the same situation with like my siblings and Uh I looking up to like my parents, you know, because they constantly left everything in order for like me or my brother, my siblings to like go after whatever God was calling us to in that moment. Uh And I think like faith is a huge part of both of our lives. And there's so many different things that like, I mean, if we look at how Jesus lived his life, he did tell us to live selflessly. And so I think when people are actually like genuinely pursuing Jesus, like Uh they will do, they will show compassion, show empathy to others, regardless of their backgrounds. And you guys do that in such a beautiful way that your kids are now learning, like, that's important. That's what I need to chase after. That's Uh what I need to live out my life. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being an encouragement in that way. Um, I'm excited to see what your kids do. I mean, I met four of them, but I haven't Mm -hmm. met the oldest two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I'd get along with your eldest daughter a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) They are, they're good kids and it is just, um, you know, and they know now, you know, adding two more kids to our family and older children this time that, um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. And there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of adjustments. And we're going to have to be really, you know, uh, just open to anything, you know, and, um, and just kind of let God just take over and help us, you know, and, and um, they know that, um, you know, that it'll be hard. They, we talked last night about things that, that, you know, they're sacrificing things as well, you know, and just certain things that, you know, we're just not able to do because we have such a big family, but, um, you know, most all of it is material type things, which we're like, you know, that's, that's not what's of importance anyway. So what we want to focus on is, um, you know, just raising our kids to love Jesus and to love like Jesus. And if we, get even just a little bit close to that, then we're, we will be happy. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Um, before we end the conversation, I want to ask a follow-up question. Like, what are ways that people like myself, like our family, like that we could help families like yours who are taking on this huge responsibility and sacrificing a lot? Like, what are the simple ways that we can come around you guys and show you all love? Oh, okay. Well, um, it's funny you asked that because my husband just uh, did a video um, for the 35K campaign um, about this. Um, but so, of course, prayer is like the number one, like the biggest thing that we that we need um, just because of um, just all of the different uh, levels of this, I guess. You know, there's, you know, bringing children older children from a country into the United States where they don't know the language and the culture and just everything is different. And, and then, um, it also being a transracial adoption. I mean, that is something else, you know, we're consider you know, having to consider everything is, um, and how we're changing our life in order to, um, provide, you know, cultural experiences for them and things like that. So, um, so definitely prayer. Um, and then just with, not knowing exactly, you know, the, 
um, how it's, it will be, it will be difficult and we know the transition will be hard. And so just for, yeah, we always appreciate prayer for just our, um, our hearts and, um, that we can just continue to pursue love. And, um, let's see also. So, um, when Andy and I were talking about this and was talking about how, um, you know, we, we, feel like, um, the biblical, uh, view of adoption or, or caring for the orphan, you know, we, we always kind of go back to that, you know, that was like, it's biblical and, but not everybody is called to do this. Not everybody's called to adopt. Not everybody was called to foster. You may not have the bandwidth for that. And that's totally fine. But, um, but I do think that everyone is called to do and help in some way uh, for these kids, these kids who come from hard places, who have, um, trauma and who are going to be adjusting into totally different and new life. You know, there's a lot of ways that, um, you know, that other people can help. And when children do come into your home, I mean, meals are amazing. Um, I think of, you know, when our, our little boys came, um, I don't think we cooked a meal for an entire month. We had people bringing in food and it was like so amazing because I told you that first entire month I like cried because mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so overwhelming. So not having to worry about that and, you know, people picking up our other kids and taking them out um, just to give them some kind of that one-on-one -on -one attention that they're missing out on initially. Um, those are really great, great ways. I'm thinking of some other ways that people really, um, I had somebody come over and do some laundry. I mean, it's like little, you know, very practical things that, you know, some people are really gifted in cooking or, um, things like that. And, and then, um, of course, financially, um, we initially went into this, um, international adoption, um, thinking that we would adopt one child and that has since, um, now change to two. And so, uh, we definitely, it's, uh, it's a financial, um, struggle really to, to, I mean, we, we both have worked extra jobs and sold things and, you know, everything we've had, you know, some fundraisers. And so those are, um, ways too that, you know, that people can rally around families who are adopting, who, um, you know, just maybe in a place where, they um, just need some encouragement too, you know, dropping, a, sending a text message or, you know, a little email, you know, just with some words of encouragement, I think are really good. Um, and <laughs> we always get um, the, uh, the questions of like, are you crazy? Or like, why? What are you doing? You know, things like that. And <laughs> And we know we're like, yeah, we know we're crazy. Um, so, but then if you decide to say that, then maybe add on at the end, like, well, I'm going to pray for you <laughs> or some, some little bit of encouragement at the end would be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. Um, thank you for sharing your story. I know there will be a lot of people listening to this, including myself, who are just inspired by the way that you live your life. Um, 
the way that you teach your kids to like live selflessly for others. I mean, there's so many things about your story that's encouraging. Um, and we'll have to see each other again soon sometime. Yes, yes. Yeah, I know you're not awesome. too uh not too far not from too far. us. Tennessee. Now. Yeah. It's better so. than Maine. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> so we'll have to work out at some point. Um yeah. yes. But thank you so much for coming on. This was a of lot of fun. Great, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that um, you know, I was able to share my heart and not ramble too much with <laughs> on everything. But <laughs> no, it was perfect. This is great. And for those listening, um, thank you guys so much. And we will see you guys next week on the Wonder Podcast.